It's Monday the 10th of May 2021. My name's Alex Elliott and you're listening to The Week in Iceland, the programme that asks what's been happening in Iceland this week, why it happened and why we should care. I'm joined this week by York Underwood, show manager at The Secret Cellar and host of the Brett Easton Ellis Podcast Book Club, uh, streamed live from Iceland around the world. Welcome to you. Hey, well, good to see you. Again, this is your second time, right? Yeah, this is my second time. Yeah, the first time I was a little bit nervous. We had another uh, guest on with me and yeah, it's it's different because you come. I'm normally doing jokes and then you got to kind of be serious because this is the news and this is reviewing the week in Iceland, so I, I can't, uh, can't just make it all up. Eh, some people do. <laughs> <laughs> also, no need to be nervous today because the, the, the surroundings are different. We're in a cafe, not the studio, uh, which is lovely. And it's a great day outside. So, Oh, yeah, it's finally nice out. People are going a little bit uh, crazy. You know, as soon as it gets this warm out, everyone just wants to quit work and sit outside and stare at the sun. I mean, it's got to be at least six or seven degrees today. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, anyway, the news. Um, the COVID-19 prevention rules changed again at midnight, uh, with the assembly limit now 50 people instead of 20. We had another biggest week of vaccinations last week, um, but there is nevertheless a new group outbreak in Skagafjörður and Akrahreppur in the northwest of the country, uh, where the rules have been locally tightened instead of relaxed. Ongoing dry weather has caused a spate of brush fires, and the authorities have issued an uncertainty alert for fire across much of the south and west of the country. The volcano continues to behave weirdly, as volcanoes do, um, and it might even be sold to the highest bidder as it is on private land. Either way, public access is assured, we are assured, and the volcano is closed to the public today because of the brush fires, as mentioned, and also an inconvenient wind direction. A celebrity harassment scandal and news that the Landsrettur Appeals Court cuts sentences in 40% of sexual abuse cases are major factors in what some people are calling Iceland's second Me Too movement. The parents of a stillborn baby have stepped out and commented publicly on what they believe was a situation badly dealt with by Landspitali. Uh, they say they are not alone and the Minister of Health has now stepped in personally and spoken to them and the hospital. And in other news, one of the world's biggest computer game tournaments is underway in Reykjavik. This year's travel gift will be 5,000 krona, just like last year. And all the three big banks reported significant quarter one turnarounds this year compared to last year. <laughs> so uh, where would you like to begin? Oh, I guess the restrictions being lifted. This is something because, uh, you know, uh, running a comedy show, we, we were doing a few during the restrictions when they were tighter at Spot. It's a bigger place. We were able to space out. And, like, selfishly, of course, I, I want the restrictions to go away because uh, comedy shows don't work when you're spaced out. And it's very much like a spit medium. Like, I go on stage, spit on the audience, they laugh and spit back on me. So this whole pandemic has been a nightmare for running any sort of live performance like this. But but really, you know, this is a kind of game that is also felt that they've been playing. Because if they, the understanding of what's going to happen and where, no one knows. So re- relaxing the restrictions, is it going to help significantly? Uh, there is, like, with the bars, I know, the major sales are between 11 p.m. and 1 a.m. That's when you have the people who have gone out and now they've started spending too much. Uh, opening at one more hour, maybe it'll help relieve some of the pressures for the people downtown. We've seen a lot of bar closures and a lot of people really struggling. But that isn't really a good enough, even someone who's running uh, a place that requires patrons and requires sales. I, I've never felt very comfortable talking about it in an economic way because this is an unprecedented event. This is a, a pandemic 
And so when we start saying like, oh, you're, you're screwing over small business owners, it's like no one is screwing over anyone. This is a virus that we're trying to get a hold of. And every time we go lockdown again, it removes any sense of normalcy we had. So the slower they release things and the more we get people vaccinated, I think is better for the mental health of the country and, and just for running things in general, for getting into a routine. Because this kind of boom and bust behavior, which Iceland is famous for economically, is how we've kind of been treating the pandemic. And it's it's strange to think of ourselves as kind of like at the beginning, we had the lowest rates and then all of a sudden up to the highest rates. And then you and you go back and forth like this. And this sort of behavior I don't think is the right way. So I don't know. I can I can never look at a restriction lifting and being like, oh, finally, I can go out and risk myself more. But how much more risk is there? What's going on? I don't know if those are factors we can really tell. But I, I, I don't like this kind of everyone's like, I know friends now who are like, okay, I didn't go out last weekend because they're raising the restrictions this week. Now I'm just going to go crazy. And I was like, well, that's not really the point of raising restrictions. So I, I don't know if this is, I don't know if this is the best sort of, uh, best sort of way to deal with the public's kind of obvious impatience and like everyone's feeling like the pressure of being at home all the time I know I definitely feel that but I don't I don't I don't know the restrictions I try not to get too excited because I would rather that people still behaved a little bit safely until we got this all done because we are like you said we have a record number of people getting immunizations and this is happening in a rolling fashion that seems to be working and anything that would cause a problem. Could you imagine just having a huge spike when you're just almost there just because you decided you wanted to have a party or something like that? It, there's this, we still have to be a little bit stronger collectively, I think. I don't know. Well, I think Vidit Reynison, the, the, the police chief, said last week it's a bit like mountain climbing, that yeah. some of the worst accidents happen on the way down again. Yeah, yeah. And that we're at that stage now, and that's a good point. But I would say they've they've always said all along that keeping the restrictions as minimum as possible at every time. Mm -hmm. So like if you're only getting one case a week, you can't necessarily justify having lockdown measures, can you? Yeah, that is the thing. You, like, you, you can't justify it unless it goes up again. So every time so every time they've said, like, we can't justify it because it's been so tight, and then they open it up, and then it goes up again, well, then it appears like we can. And I don't, and that's where I, I'm not the, I guess I'm not an expert on how to do this, but I do know that, um, like we're talking about like the government's responsibility. Personal responsibility has always been different throughout the entire pandemic. You have people who have house parties and things like that, which has been a problem. Every weekend the police are out there shutting stuff down because at a governmental level, you have a certain level of responsibility that you have to say, no, we have to do as much restrictions as possible to ensure the safety of our people through this uh, situation. But personally, I don't think people's personal behavior, at least in 101, and for people around my age, between the ages of, I'll be generous to myself, 25 to 45, um, the, the personal behavior has not been exemplary. Like when they, when you look at places like, oh, look at, uh, look at the beaches in, in Devon in the UK, they're going crazy, or look at Florida, and, and people like to kind of compare themselves to places around the world and say, oh, we're so much better. Uh, Iceland really most of the most of our success has just been because of a small population. I don't I don't think there's been a, a personal responsibility that's really taken hold here. Unlike and not to say that's a insult. That's just the way it's been everywhere. Getting a bunch of people to stay at home and follow rules is is not easy, as I think everyone knows. Yeah, not very good point. Um, but yeah. Hopefully this is the last time now, this, and it's, uh, it's, yeah. it's all relaxation from here on. We've said this before, <laughs> yeah. but, you know, things yeah. are looking a little bit different now, aren't they? 
Yeah, it is. I'm like I'm I, again. I I really hope it is. The, we don't know like every conspiracy theorist or um, like because there is a group of them that you see downtown once in a while. The anti-vax, anti-mask uh, people here, even in Iceland. Uh, saying this sort of stuff, they all use this kind of wedge to get into a conversation that you see online where it's like, we, the science isn't all there, we don't know everything. And, and that's correct. And I don't think not knowing everything means that we should err on the side of uh, complete uh, irresponsibility in some way. We, we don't know. We don't, so we know they don't, they, some, some of the reports say there won't be an ability to create her, herd immunity. This is something that we're always going to have to vaccinate. We don't know the nature of the virus. We don't know if it's going to mutate as we're rolling out for the next few months, getting all the people, uh, like uh, getting them all vaccinated. We don't know if there's going to be a change because this is something that it's incredible how fast we've responded. There's been lots of mistakes and things like that, but this is, this is something that this uncertainty is what... Uh, people have to live with because this is what everyone who's working their hardest like and this is the people in the medical field and the, and then the research field are doing they're living with that level of uncertainty and trying to solve something so they know how difficult it must be just to have that weighing on you and I think yeah I hope it is just relaxation 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 but how could we we don't even know exactly how this started you, we don't know what the nature of this sort of virus is this is something because of climate change they're saying we're gonna see a lot more of uh, this is this is stuff that we have to deal with kind of cool-headedly, I think, because I believe in hope, and I'm a person who wants to stand in front of people and talk to them and be in a crowd, and I, I enjoy going out and socializing, but I don't want to I don't want to let myself get carried away with that, and, I, and even if even if economic uh, procedures have to be reorganized in some way, if if a couple bars fail because of this, that's really that's that is not uh, that's not as bad as not getting a handle on something as serious as a global pandemic yeah yeah and I just briefly back to the point you were making yeah. about the vaccinations and and the possibility that the virus could change and then they won't be effective anymore yeah. that's kind of all the more reason to be going quickly with the vaccination program yeah, yeah. to prevent that happening right yeah well from see I'm, I'm i'm not an immunologist or anything close to a scientist but from what what you read and a lot of research being done here as well because Kari stephenson at decode is like he's he's on the forefront of this there's a lot of groups around they've been publishing that uh the transfer rate that people the transmission rate from a person actually reduces when you're vaccinated because you, do, you don't just not get it you don't spread it which is a really important thing it reduces it you know, it's like 33% less or something like that. And then after you're vaccinated, it's not going to go inside of you, make you sick, mutate and become something else. So once you're vaccinated, you're stopping the chances of it changing and you're stopping the transmission. And so, yeah, I think the faster we get vaccinated, the better. But that was also hard because you have to have regulations. Like as soon as there was talks about the, I don't know how to say it, arts, venega, arts, whatever the vaccination was that had the blood uh, AstraZeneca AstraZeneca yeah AstraZeneca had this high rate of uh, people who got blood clots but the high rate was not high rate when it compared to like the number of people who you know it's like it was a small percentage but significant so they had to be careful and I think I don't know not to be too cynical but one of the things that people have learned uh, over the last year and a half is that the average person in any population, even a highly educated one like Iceland, has absolutely no concept of how statistics work. <laughs> Eight out of ten people agree. Uh, okay, 
yeah, maybe we should move on to a different topic then. Um, what else stands out for you from the week? Oh, um, you need to see the list. Do you see that? No, no, no. I, I remember. Yeah, I remember all the topics. Uh, Obviously, like a big thing happening right now because you know in the entertainment industry and everything, there's the Solvi Trigva uh, case that's going on. I can't. I don't really know enough about it to say anything and that's it's spawning kind of like what they're saying like a second wave of me too because the court cases for sexual is it like sexual assault are, are being dropped at a very high rate because it is a hard thing to legally to legally deal with and then also to deal with uh just at a level of you know society like if you know this is going on but you can't prosecute this sort of thing mm-hmm. how do you how do you help the people that like the victims of this so that you can kind of make things better and then also change behaviors i don't know I don't know the answer to it, but I do know that you're seeing a lot of these cases and a lot of these people are people in uh, positions of power. These are men in positions of power and men in a position of entertainment where you get a lot of feedback and kind of ego stroking and stuff like that. And the difference between someone like Solvi Trigva, who was, uh, he was hired, he would be hired in companies as like a promotional speaker, like a, a self-help guru type person. And I think this has to be rethought uh, with companies because if you're if you're hiring someone, I don't know how many times we have to see a self-help guru who can tell you change your life. It turns out they end up being some sort of an abusive personality. Before we go, maybe we shouldn't be send, spending tax dollars to hire uh, unprofessional people who are just really good at confidence to promote people. Maybe there's a better way to help workers uh, better you know, manage their life and succeed in their workplace and all this sort of stuff. Maybe there's proper mental health uh, procedures that can do this rather than spending like some of his speaking fees are up to like a million kroner of speaking fees where he talks to an hour and gets you really excited and pumped up kind of like you're in a religious cult or something. And I think this is, I think this is irresponsible to even have people like this. And maybe that's just a personal opinion on my part, but pumping people up so that they're just like, uh, they think they're great and everything they do is like perfect and they can help you and you're gonna it just it fe- to me it sounds just it does sound like a cult or like a religious leader who's just in a big whoop up and we, as we know religious leaders are constantly falling by the wayside because of abusive behavior at least if you're an entertainer or a musician or something like that there is some level of failure that's possible so like if you know if Van Morrison he recently released a new album if he does something stupid he, he or does something that no one likes he fails as a musician and it doesn't work whereas if all you are is a person who gets accredited for being who you are and being really confident I don't know how many people can handle that sort of kind of uh, worship and and then you see someone like like Trigvi or Solvi Trigva went on went on uh, his podcast was interviewed and cried uh, in front of everyone and then a lot of people were comparing it to uh, R. Kelly's responses and they've spliced a video where they're making fun of him and they're putting it back and that's and that is I think really apt this whole thing you have a bunch of you have uh, you have a male behavior that has been a problem for a long time and there's been no real systematic approach to it until just recently to dealing with these sorts of abuses and then you see these same personality types whatever they are I'm not a psychologist people say narcissistic or whatever and they're getting into the same type of trouble over and over and over again and it's their fault and their responsibility but they're also being paid for and pu- and pushed up by like uh, Ruve has even hired him to give like speak speaking to groups to get them pumped up like 
in some way we have to say, okay, this sort of behavior and this sort of uh, kind of like alpha male type thing isn't something that we're going to spend taxpayers' money on because we know what it can end up in. Maybe not everyone, but it seems to be, you know, enough of a percentage that this is sparking another Me Too wave with these sorts of problems. And the men on the list are the type of men you would expect to be on the list. I've been really backward on this particular story because it I saw oh some guy had cried on his podcast and 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 opened up and I just did, I didn't even read the articles because yeah. I I don't know I'm not a huge fan of this celebrity gossip stuff yeah um, but it's grown so much over the last three four five days uh, yeah. and now it is people are talking about a second me too wave and whether or not we learned anything from the the first time round yeah uh, it's because it's not just it's not just about like harassment at the workplace or, or something like that. There is, there is something about, uh, there is this whole group of people that still feel disenfranchised by the government here. Like, and it's, it's a strange thing. And I believe Iceland actually has a very high rate of this for what is considered the most feminist or equal country on earth. You still have a very high rate of domestic violence and stuff like that. And I think it's called like Scandinavia's dark secret or something that's like in the academic circles where they study this why are there higher rates and they've eliminated it within research like methodology they know it's not just about reporting it's not just the fact that people report more or feel more comfortable reporting because actually in a small place like Iceland that's homogeneous and everyone's related to everyone the family pressures not to report are much higher than if you were in a like a multicultural country like Canada where your neighbor isn't necessarily your cousin twice removed or something like that so this is this is an issue in Iceland that will continue to kind of like to continue to be an issue until something is done so I can see why there'd be a second wave or a third wave because I don't know how you're going to take kind of like the charming aspect of Iceland which is this nepotistic we're all like if you know the right person you can get places which is bad if you're not the right people but this is a small homogeneous country like I'm saying and and that has this charm to it where everyone feels connected and you feel this social cohesion but it also means that you everyone collectively tells the same lies or protects the same secrets and that's something that might not happen in a society that was more uh, you know where it was more separated and so this is I think this will be an ongoing issue in Iceland for a long time just because it's yeah it's that you have 90 I don't know what I'll say 90% of the population is still just Icelandic born and bred not from immigrant families or something like that how do you deal with that level of cohesion and like if you if you report someone you might be alienating yourself from half of your support system in your life where that level of pressure I think is really hard for dealing with this sort of issue which everyone knows has to be dealt with Great point. Um, unless you've got anything else to add, maybe we'll move on to a different topic. Yeah, let's move on to a different topic. Uh, okay, we can go sadder. <laughs> oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, this was, I mean, obviously losing a child, a stillborn baby, is, is incredibly sad under all circumstances. Um, and the response of the hospital clearly did not help in this case. Yeah, uh, this, is, this is a really, like, uh, a, tough, a tough topic, but... So you have an issue where a woman, uh, the 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 baby, the baby passes away inside. So they have a, they're going to have a stillbirth, and um, they ha- she ha- still has to give birth to it because of how how long it was, uh, how long it has been there, and it, it. So this becomes really tough, and then she can't go uh, on the weekend because of the staff. I really don't think the hospital should be get like 
like as soon as you throw something like this in, it's incredibly difficult to talk about in any sort of like objective way without sounding just cold. But this country has, uh, you know, a, sh a shortage of staff in medical services, but it has socialized medicine where the people that are working there have a proper labor union that makes sure that they're working properly and that everyone is able to get medical coverage in the way they are. And this is the, you know, if, if you wanted cheaper labor so that they could be open on the weekend or something like that, that would be a different setup. And I think as awful as it is, having to wait, which is, I can't imagine. So is, but I don't, I don't think it's fair to, to put this all on the medical uh, professionals for this because well, I, what else were what else would you have to do you can't like the number of calls that are going to be going in for this sort of stuff must be incredibly high just other emergencies and things like that and it's not a life-threatening situation it's just emotionally damaging maybe there is a way to reorganize it I, i'm not a logistic ex expert for a hospital but I, I i do say that anything where you're like oh down with the hospitals for this or they know this and yeah, they know this, and this is a fact of life that's incredibly sad and difficult, and I, I don't think they should be, this is, I don't know, I, of all the things that are, that are difficult with the Icelandic medical system in lots of ways, uh, and, you know, proper mental health care and all that sort of stuff, this situation is an emotionally deep one that I don't think is really uh, the hospital's fault in this way. Yeah, for anyone that didn't really follow the story, um, it was it was a woman who found out she had miscarried, um, and it was three or four in the afternoon on a Friday, and she was told to come back on the Monday um, to have an induced labour, um, and there hasn't been talk about medical malpractice here. No. It was all about the fact that she was just sent home and that she wasn't offered psych counselling or, or psychological support, yeah. and that her husband lived an hour away and came to pick her up and in that time she was just sitting in the car outside the hospital crying yeah. it was the res this lack of support was the, uh, the issue i don't think anyone's like blaming the doctors necessarily yeah. they probably could induce labors at the weekend but in this case it wasn't critical to do so but yeah. The the emotional support probably is critical though, isn't it? Yeah, i guess i think like, i was i was kind of like i was focusing on the fact that what it, the comments that I was seeing was that people are saying, why couldn't they just do it right away? And and actually, if you go into some of the groups on Facebook, some women are saying that it's been like, depending on uh, when the miscarriage took place, they're they're waiting sometimes one or two weeks to get in and get this uh, like uh, induced birth of the stillborn. And so this is this is an issue. But the support thing, that's that's yeah, that is what I was trying. I guess I didn't, I wasn't too clear. I'm trying to say the the psych, the psychiatric help that you can get. I guess not psychiatric, but it is like support. That that is the that is a major problem at all field, all levels. I think in the healthcare system here, and having that that level of support. So someone, I, I don't know what they like. There's, there's nothing set up for this. There's nothing set up for her. Like, is someone going to go to her house? Do they have someone on call? Like the. The induction of the labor thing, which I was focusing on, that that's like a way too practical thing that I guess. But this support thing, where they like, that's something that's going to take years of hiring and deciding that the most important thing is preventative rather than reactionary medicine. And that's something that's hard when you have uh, like a shortage of staff and the funding towards 
all this stuff is always going down. And then now we just had a pandemic where everything's been strained. This is just open up. Maybe it's good that it's highlighting these kind of areas that we need more work on, but I don't know how they're going to fix something like that right away. I mean, I feel like there could be some fairly simple procedural changes in this particular case. Um, but like you say, it raises a whole similar set of questions about every department at the hospital and, yeah. and, and the, the, the level of care being offered, which I will not speculate on whatsoever. What we do know is that the Minister of Health has felt compelled to step in and talk to everyone involved. Um, she hasn't gone public with the details, obviously. Yeah. Um, but so it's being taken seriously at the very least. Yeah, it is, because it's also like this is something where you don't know you don't know the type of reaction someone's going to have. Like if if someone has a miscarriage very early on, uh, and from my my limited knowledge of uh, uh, women who've gone through this and or friends or things like that, some people react differently than others. Someone could have it very early on, and it's a, a thing that will affect them for months. Like, legis like if you're just looking at numbers of what you'll need for help, I'm, I'm not sure, but I hope I hope they figure out a way, or maybe just being over, it, having some sort of system where everyone gets like a certain amount right off the bat, that might be the answer, because even asking someone, uh, as we know, if you ask someone, do you need help or something like that, they don't always answer in their best interest or honestly, because they can't, because they really do need help. And so uh, I, I guess you would say there's easy systematic changes, but... This is a this is almost a cultural change in a lot of ways because women in this country have kind of been you know they have to be kind of silent and strong in these situations like the it's it's not it's not this is something this is women's issues even at the the level of like kids for a long time I, I just know from you know talking to my stepsons and things like that the knowledge of what women go through just in general from puberty onwards is considered second in the in the like on what you're supposed to know about humans i guess for some, and this has been obviously everywhere in canada as well and maybe this is just something where this is this is an equal rights issue in a way that this sort of support is not something that a husband is going to just be like, oh your husband can take care of you now or something like that this is something where every person has the right to deal with this and have all of the support and then choose to to limited as it goes on but just ask like just kind of sending people on their way and hoping they're okay I think women have had enough of that for the last however many millennia yeah well I mean talking of husbands she her husband in this particular case said how nice it would have been if the hospital had called him and said yeah. can you come and help your wife and and this is what's happened instead of she was he said he couldn't understand what she was saying for a minute because yeah, she was yeah. in crying so much and it's just a horrible situation really yeah no it's uh, uh this is i i don't want to be too general here but communication in uh any of the uh public services in iceland is an issue uh for whatever reason and and with the medical i've had a few things happen to me while i've been here not comparable, but I had issues where I was misdiagnosed with a tumor, and this went on for two weeks, and no one could communicate to me for two weeks exactly what was happening until finally they were like, oh, you don't have a, you know, class or whatever it's called, like a two-centimeter two tumor in your colon. And so this is something I think is just there. And a lot of people have criticized the health care in this country because of this issue, and I think this is one of the, like, this is like on top of the staffing and things like that communication issue and 
taught, being able to, to give people the information they need to help to get the help they need is something that's just going to have to be worked on and fixed. And I, I'm glad that the health minister is looking into this. Mm. And, and like you said at the very beginning of this, praise where it's due. Um, the staff are very diligent, generally speaking. They've got a yeah. great team of doctors and nurses, and they're really good at keeping people alive. I mean, we've got a great, a very high life expectancy, and, and you know, there's lots of positives too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like that, like what I was saying, like the, what they do when they do it is good, but the, the I got, what did you call it, quality of care? The quality of care is something I think that everyone's looking into in this country because it's not... Again, it's not something that's the easiest to do in, uh, uh, like, uh, I'm just bringing up the same point again. In a country that's so homogeneous, these problems come out in all these different ways. Like I was saying with uh, the issue with the Me Too wave, it's the same thing in, in the healthcare system. And this is a weird thing just because I've been looking into it because I write a lot of jokes about this sort of stuff, is that the more diverse a culture is, the more likely uh, you're going to be treated friendly and uh, like extra compassion to understand you because that's the mode of behavior that each individual has to use in order to get through that society. Whereas the more homogeneous is, the more niceties and manners and politeness, which end up being very empathetic at the end, they get kind of uh, thrown away because everyone, no one sees each other as the other, so they don't ever go that extra mile to know exactly what the other person wants or feels. Yeah, very interesting point. Um, yeah. Um, I think that might be an appropriate moment to call it a day, okay. actually. Uh, the time flies quickly. Um, the Week in Iceland will be back next Monday, the 17th of May, on roof.is forward slash English, Roof English on Facebook, through the Roof app, and your favourite podcast platform. Huge thanks to my guest today, York Underwood, and also to Lydia Gretestotis for seeing to the technical side of things. We finished today uh, with a new song by Elisa Newman called Fagradalsfjall, You're So Pretty. <laughs> I wonder if you can guess what that's about. Yeah. Bye for now.